This is Up Your RPG, helping you up your role-playing game. This episode is the first of a two-part series on player autonomy. Today we'll be talking about out-of-game restrictions, specifically how players' creative choices can be limited before they even get to the table. And is that a bad thing? Let's get to it. Hey everybody, thanks for joining us on Up Your RPG. My name's Arthur. As always, I'm joined by Emily and Michael. And this week, Rick is joining us. We are all from the Under the Library crew. And we are here to talk about player autonomy. So I will pass it off to Michael. Michael, it's all yours. Yeah, and as you mentioned in the intro, this is going to be a two-part series, right? And so tonight we're kind of particularly honing in on that pre-game aspect of player autonomy and the decisions that the players get to make before the game even starts. And so, Art, I was going to kick this one right back to you with the idea of, you know, as a player, what are the pros and cons of kind of GM guided limitations and where do they kind of start to tread on your character design and where do they actually challenge you to maybe even bolster it a little bit? Yeah, that's, that's a great way to put it. Um, so when we were talking about this whole idea of player autonomy, um, for the next episode, we'll talk about some, some instances that we've had um, and we've certainly heard of others. Uh, but as we were talking about uh, creating a show on this, uh, we realized that there are some other times when player decisions and the ability to create your own character as you see it and to begin to shape the story... Uh, in your own little way, uh, as we've talked about in past shows, this is a collaborative storytelling uh, endeavor. So uh, players can tend to come into it with a, with a specific angle, uh, with an idea about their character. And there are some things that, that can restrict that creative process before you even start making your character. So some of the things we're thinking about are uh, one typical example is there are a number of GMs who will say uh, when DMing D&D, we're only going to use races from the player handbook. Uh, so that would mean like no Volos, uh, none of the other expansions, uh, none of the, uh, certainly a, a controversial choice is whether you're using Unearthed Arcana, which is the sort of beta testing of uh, new characters and character types. Uh, some players really want to be able to play with and experiment with that new content and uh, certain GMs get kind of hesitant about that. So there's already this restriction in your creative freedom before you've even started to, to make a character. Uh, so the question, as, as you said, is, is that necessarily a bad thing? And um, so before I get to that, there are some other restrictions that can lead to these, these sort of starting tension between player and GM is when, when GMs have house rules. Uh, some of them are great. Some of them can be not so great. Uh, from personal experience, there there are some from uh, GMs that I've worked with who really like older systems and may have held over certain rules from those older systems, which we <laughs> come to find out we didn't actually know were house rules until later on when we played with other GMs. Uh, oh, and they were wow. like, no, that's actually not a thing. <laughs> we had no idea. <laughs> Uh, there's the idea of encumbrance uh, that tends to get swept aside. 
uh, that's a big rule in D&D, but it, it's often not used. Now, that one I think is horrible. I hate it. I think it's boring, uh, but some players would love it. The idea of, uh, of food and how you forage for food in a campaign. Uh, there are some campaigns that are pretty heavy with that. That's not only restrictive, but it's actually part of the rules. So uh, how are those decisions made between players and GMs? Um, but to get to get back to the the is it a bad thing? Uh, not in RPGing, but in my creative world as a photographer, I actually really enjoy creative limitations. Uh, so by by restricting, I find that that actually improves creativity. Uh, when I'm photographing, I like to restrict the gear that I can use or the lighting that I can use or the environments that I shoot in or the subject matter I shoot. I find that it forces me to be more creative when those bounds are restricted. But then at the same time, when I'm making a character, I want to be able to use whatever I want. Like I want, I want to be able to make the character as I see it. Uh, so I, in terms of us discussing this on the show, I think the question is, where is that line and how do we approach those restrictions, both as players and as GMs? So I'll, I'll go to Rick a little bit. Uh, you and I have some experience with this. So if I'm a player and you're the GM and there's something with my character that I want to do that might not fit within the rules, how would you approach that as the GM? And how can we how can we create a collaborative environment where I feel heard and I feel that I still have my creative freedom, but you're not then giving me something that's OP and that's going to break your game? Yeah, I think that's that's an important right distinction. And I think that's that's the root of it, right? And it comes down to sort of what game are we trying to make together? What story are we trying to build? And um you know, I think that's sort of the first step. And the other is, what is the dynamic with the rest of the players, right? And and what setting are we in? And and where, where do we stand? And I think if you come in and you want to make a character, and uh, let's say instead of, uh, you know, I don't know, a, a cudgel or something like that, you're using, you know, a, a giant uh, or, you know, a stick that, you know, from a heavy, abnormally heavy tree, right? But it's this tiny thing, but it's supposed to hit as heavy as the other. I think as long as you know, mechanically, you're doing similar damage, and even if you're not, we can certainly scale and adjust things. But I think that the goal is to not break the game and the system um, so that the story doesn't become something about a, a, a super, you know, empowered character from the get go, you know, it's supposed to be this sort of shared journey of growth and discovery and, and world building, as well as character building. And I think if you come in with this sort of you know, overpowered character um, that not only may tarnish your overall experience, maybe unbeknownst to you, right. um, but also other players, right? I think um, there's benefits to restrictions. I think if you just take like the simple consumer user interface, right, example of, you know, Windows or, or Macintosh, right? I mean, there are certain like limitations to what a user can do in, in Macs generally, at least when they first came out, that people sort of just just consumers sort of appealed to, um, at least in certain demographics, right? As opposed to maybe those who really want to get into the weeds um, and and get into sort of the command prompt and, and you know, really start to like, like, like um, dive into things that I think you're talking about two very different 
you know, types of, of consumers there, but you're also talking about different types of players. Um, and so there's some who really want to get into the weeds with encumbrance and how many weapons do I have and how does that physically look on my character and what's in my bag. And it only has, you know, five by five, you know, you know, you cubic feet of, of, of space that I can only fit so many things in. Um, or, you know, it's, it's in the evening time and I can't, finish this quest because I have to sit down and, and make myself a meal um, or the group does. Right. And, and I, those are very different types of games. Uh, one is very much edging on realism and one is very much more focused on fantasy narrative, you know, left brain creativity and just having, you know, a fun sitting around a, a fire equivalent, right. Of telling a story. And I think my experience as players who come to this really want more of the escapism. They want to have that sort of fun shared storytelling and leave the sort of constraints of realism behind. And um, I think as long as you do it in a way that is um, equitable across the players um, and that you as a DM can respond to these prompts that they give you, um, you, you can end up with sort of a, a wonderful experience where everyone feels like they're getting what they need. Yeah. And, Emily, you're starting off in another campaign, right, where you're all witches. And maybe you want to talk about what a little bit about that experience has been like, because it's also um, a really different rule set as well as uh, kind of a, a fresh RPG. And what's your insight on this has been? Yeah, so the game is called Wise Women, and it was just published last year. So there's very little probably creative content out there about it. And as art was starting off and describing all of the different ways that D&D specifically could be limited by the GM, by the DM. I mean, perhaps those things apply to other games, but all of the things you mentioned for me kind of made me think, oh, he's talking about D&D. Um, it seems like it's a very different situation when you have a game that is that big. Like there are many editions, there are compendium and extra book and whatever. I don't remember all of the terms, but there are a lot of things that you could choose to use or not use. Whereas I just built a character in this very small contained game. And I can tell you a little bit about the process, but there wasn't a lot, there wasn't really any limitation from our, our MC, uh, nice. Mistress of Ceremonies. Nice. Um, who essentially just explained the world to us. And our limitation was we have to make a character that fits into this world that uh, has some reason to be in or end up in the town that we're playing in. And, and that was really it. So it is a world where we are all human. So I designed a character that was human and I made a reason for her to go from the city that she was living in to be in this town. And she actually was there and sort of established herself before a lot of the other characters who are gonna travel in right as we start playing. So it'll be interesting for me to be able to almost contribute to the feel of the town by just being there and telling all the other characters about it. And um, I guess the only other thing that I'll add is that in my character building, I intentionally created a part of the story that I didn't know all of the answers about. And I like to do that. I like to, like I did the same thing with Michael 
when I built my latest character for our campaign, like I said, you know, this thing happened and she has, for, for Joe, it was a book. Like she has this book and I don't know all of the details of whether the book is uh, magical, what might happen, what it might mean for her, but here is this book. And for the character that I just built, she actually moved to the town with her partner. Her partner died. And the mystery is like, what actually happened. She's suspicious of some people in the town. She doesn't know if it was killed by a monster or uh, some sort of machinations by a human or whatever. But I essentially just went to the MC and said, here is this, would you like to, would you like to fill in some of this backstory so that I have a mystery to solve essentially? And uh, so I felt like I had lots of autonomy because I could do what I wanted, but I could even create my own mystery. And that's kind of difficult by definition, you know? And I think that comes down to uh, what we talk about a lot. We got to it in pre-show a little bit. Uh, the the trust at the table uh, is what's key to the whole thing uh, for me, and it, that can be that can be challenging with a new group, uh, especially with a group that doesn't know each other. Uh, but I think it's important for everyone to take responsibility to uh to build that trust and a way that you can do that is to be forthcoming that your choices that you would like to make are purely creative uh, so as a player i would go to a gm and say hey uh here are these things that i would like to do uh, i'm not trying to get an advantage and metagame it but these are these are the story things that I would like to to implement into the game. Um, and uh, the hope is that the GM would then say, okay, well, um, that's fine. And, you know, just make sure that this doesn't do that or, you know, whatever. The idea is that you're not breaking um, a mechanic somewhere uh, that you might not be aware of. Um, but I think that where that can get broken, really, is in... Um, players who want to try to have that most powerful character and are willing to uh, really push the boundaries of uh, not only the game mechanic but but that trust at the table uh, just to to kind of overpower their characters uh, and I think this probably happens more than we realize uh, because it's so far out of our, our universe we don't really pay attention to it but uh, just today uh, I don't know if you guys saw it or not, but uh, one of our friends shared a tweet. It was a tweet or a Reddit post. Did you guys see it? It must have not. It was way okay. too long for a tweet. Okay. Then it must have been a Reddit post. Um, it, it was a post by a player, someone we don't know, asking for help from a community about, it was a, D, sorry, not a DM, GM. I don't know if it was D&D per se. It sounded like D&D, but I don't know 100% that it was. But um, Oh, no, it was, because a couple of things they mentioned was yeah, was D&D. So it was DM um, who was asking for help for, from a community about a player who was doing some things that were, um, setting off my alarm, uh, that were uh, causing tension at the table and making things difficult for that DM. They were trying to push boundaries um, and push rules 
and were they were sort of coming out with this one answer. Do you remember what the answer was? It was common knowledge, I think, was the the answer that they gave. Yeah. Which was yeah. bizarre to me. I've heard that before as an argument for things, and, and I, I don't buy it at all. Um, but it, it kind of it makes me a little sad that um, that a player and a GM would be that combative, um, that the story has just gone so off the rails that the game is now about competition. And um, it, it's turned into that sort of video game mechanic where I want to make the strongest character and I'm going to do everything I can to, to try to do that. Um, but to get back to the main point, I think, I think it all, again, just comes back to that, that trust and having a, a common goal among the group of uh, we're here to tell a story and to create a story and to create a universe. Um, no matter how small that is, even if it's a one shot, we're here to just tell this story and be immersed in the story. Uh, and those other things become less and less important. I think as you sort of get into that mindset, um, I'll just, right. uh, can I, I'll just add one, one, maybe, uh, last, uh, I guess add to that. And that is, mm -hmm. I think what, what this comes down to when we're talking about players is there's an old, right. I mean, the origin of this goes back to at least the seventies in terms of fiction, right. And fiction writers and fan fiction. And it's, um, there's sort of a term, a Mary Sue, which is, you know, more antiquated and, and misogynistic, actually, at this point, in terms of its use, there's Gary Stews that have kind of come out as, as a balance against that as an archetypal sort of comparison. But, but, you know, the origin is, do you have a, you have somebody who's made a character who is the prettiest, the handsomest, the strongest, um, you know, everybody likes that character, they're the most charming, they're the strongest, there's sort of no weaknesses, right? And there's no, uh, uh, there's no character by the time you get to that point, right? You just sort of like maxed everything out in terms of um, nature to it. And I think the downside of that is you almost cheat yourself out of the experience of having a a, a real adventure and um, seeing somebody grow. And if they're already sort of the best they could possibly be in every way, and you're sort of living in this um, bubble, I, there's where, where do you go from there, right? Mm -hmm. What do you gain from that? And um, I think that's something players should probably reflect on what they want to get out of these um uh, you know, shared story, uh, uh, telling games and, and moments together as groups as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As you, as we're going through this conversation, I was thinking Art and I were talking a lot about why questions this week in terms of mm, yeah. uh, kind of related and tangentially, but I, you know, I think that's a great place for all GMs and players to start at is if you're, if you're starting to get heavy handed with um, the boundaries, or if you really want to explore something with a character, I think the first question to ask yourself is why as a player or as a GM, right. And to figure out what, what's really driving that. If it's because you want your players to experience what it's like to be like a village of kobolds trying to, you know, find out what's attacking their own village and have a different experience, right? That's driving like this creative space. If the why is because I don't want the table to overwhelm me and to break my mechanic, well then like what's what's driving that anxiety, right? Why are you why are you worried about that in the first place? Um if you're building the world. And and with the player, you know, I, I think y'all have kind of covered this at this point, but you know, it's why do you why do you want this character to look like this or to have these abilities right is it do you want to explore that ability 
or do you want to like be able to conquer everything? Because um, the reality is, if you're trying to build, you're, you're not simultaneously trying to conquer. And I, I think that's an important part for the players to remember, because um, as we talk about in improv, right, like the the thing about a, a tabletop role playing game, in my mind, is that they're shared focus, right? Everybody has a moment to explore what they're looking for. And if you're overwhelming that focus with your decisions or your rules, then you're preventing that from happening. And so how does what you're doing as a player, as a GM, best set it up for this shared experience? Which, you know, I think y'all y'all got out really well. Uh, do we have a closing thought for the evening? I, I want to hear what, what Emily was talking about pre-show. Oh, yeah. Can I give Rick a prompt? Yeah. Okay, so what I was wondering about is your current character in our Under the Library campaign, who at one point earlier in the campaign, and this, I will admit, was brought on by my character's actions, but you essentially asked, what is keeping me here? Because at that point, you had a character who had a family locally and did not have relationships with any of our PCs. And so the question was just, why am I pursuing this uh, quest essentially, instead of just going home to my family? So how do you make sure that your character has not only ties to the world, but to the story that you wanna be a part of? Um, it's a good question. I, and that's, I think it's a shared balance between both the player and probably the DM, right? I mean, from the DM perspective, when you're starting a campaign with a group, you want to try and have some sort of hook, right? And usually, right, the prototypical is you all meet up in a tavern, right? Or something, and there's some sort of calamity. But that's like, you know, from the get-go. If you have somebody who's coming in mid-story, sometimes it's hard to shoehorn somebody in. And and that's sort of where it then comes to the player to say sort of, so why in the context of what you know maybe outside of the games going on tangentially, you know, would your character sort of get caught up in this, right? If it's just sort of a happenstance and... And sort of the, the the clues, maybe they, they start to get invested. Um, it's hard, though, if you're trying to do that organically at a table. And I think with the other players, you know, if you've been there with a separate character, they may not go through the role play motions of trying to right. There's a lot of onus of going through explaining, right, or trying to get your character not maybe caught up, but but integrated in some way. And I think that's sort of difficult when you've had a group that have been going on, particularly if there's sort of a lot of, it's a suspicious campaign, right? And there's a lot of sort of intrigue and not knowing who is on whose side. And um, there's a lot going afoot. They'd be inherently, I think, suspicious of your character. And so it, it's a real balancing act. And so it became a point where I sort of came in with this one hook I gave myself looking for things to sort of organically grow. And then the sort of the immediate direction it happened at least at the beginning, was almost sort of organically growing my character out of the plot. At which point, at which point, <laughs> the question comes down to it. We sort of touched on this before, and we can touch on it next episode. Like, why, why not? Um, and I sort of thought about that. My now, now in hindsight, easily could have just done that, right? I think that's something that uh, I, I'm going to try and be less afraid to do. Is almost metagaming my character to stay in. Uh, when maybe they really wouldn't. I think that's probably going to be more satisfying for everybody, including myself. The thing you miss out on is if you have a great character concept, uh, not fleshing that out, right? Not seeing that borne out. 
And that's 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 probably the biggest disappointment. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't maybe take those elements right and incorporate it and flush it out in some other way with with another new character down the road. So, um, yeah, I think that's maybe more of a convoluted answer, but it's 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 a balancing act. And I think it comes down to sort of everybody. Yeah. Uh, so I, I do want to um, and I think you're you're right. And I love that idea. And I think that does lead perfectly to our talk next week about player autonomy in-game. But while you were talking, I was just reminded of, of, of a little anecdote, anecdote that I want to end on. Uh, that is, it was a moment for me that I knew was impactful, but I, I didn't know why until just a few minutes ago. This happened last week in our D&D game. Um, and I am playing a character who has a couple of demon friends. Um, it turns out my character is a warlock and one of them is her familiar. And uh, when we first started the campaign, we thought it was going to be sort of a one-off. Um, so we weren't really worried about the character. And she had these two buddies. And they were kind of in combat. They were kind of OP. Um, because these two little demons were doing as much damage as, as any of the other PCs. Uh, so I had my turn and the two demons' turns. and But since it was a one-off, we didn't really care. Uh, so I was feeling a little weird about that. And we were in combat this past Monday night. And uh, we got to to my demons and I and I said you know what I I I'll just take my turn um, because I've I've had my turn and that was fine um, and Rick said no 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 go ahead it's okay um, and the demons then went and then for the rest of the night it, we had all three of us go and it, from Rick's perspective it was that um, it, you know he wanted us to win this combat it wasn't something that was crucial for us to to have a a, a difficult time with this combat but. I realized that it came down to a trust thing. He knew that I wasn't trying to take advantage of the situation and do more damage than the other players. Um, these demons were more story-based to me than they are combat-based. And he knew because I was so, and because we've been playing together for so long, um, but because I offered that, he knew that I wasn't trying to get one up on other people. So he was willing to, without even thinking about it, and I don't even know if you remembered the, the the situation until I brought it up. Uh, he immediately said, oh yeah, no, just go ahead. It's fine. Uh, so that's where we want to get as player and GM, where we know that this is for the story and uh, we're, we're not trying to metagame it. We're not trying to one up. Um, it's not a competition. Uh, it's story generation. Uh, and, and that to me is is the ideal. Yeah. And right. And, and in that moment, right, I knew that whole dynamic, right? And I know you get a lot of satisfaction in role-playing these and having them involved. And I can scale things, right? That's my job as the DM, right? Is is allowing you to have your autonomy, but making sure that not only is your character balanced and your your story is balanced, but that everybody else feels taken care of. Mm -hmm. And and if I'm not doing that right, um, then then that's on the DM. And that's 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 a separate issue. But mm -hmm. um yeah, that's the trust. That's going to put a wrap on this week's session of Up Your RPG. Thanks for joining us. You can always join us at upyourrpg.com. Hopefully we've contributed to your game. Now go find a table. Mm -hmm.